are in a series called uh, Upside Down, and uh, what we've been talking about is this idea, it's Jesus' first recorded sermon. Now, he probably preached some other places, but this is the first one where somebody actually took a pen and paper, well, probably not a pen, but uh, a pen and paper, and uh, started writing it down. And the reason we call it Upside Down is because it doesn't make any sense. It, it's, it's counterintuitive, if you will. Uh, he says, um, as Jonathan preached a couple weeks ago, blessed are the hopeless. Now, you would not put those two together. Happy are the hopeless. I, if your son or daughter comes home from school and you say, how was school today, honey? And, and, and she says, uh, I just feel hopeless. You don't go, she's finally grown up. I'm so happy for her. Like you, you're like, oh my goodness, what, 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 what's going on? What, how do we fix it? Because in our culture, we don't like hopelessness. We don't like to be out of control. We don't like to uh, feel bad. Last week I preached on blessed are those who mourn. Like what, what is that? And we talked about why mourning is so important for us as human beings and why our culture wants us to push it aside. Anytime someone is mourning, that must be bad. It must be, uh, somebody must pay for that. We should be happy. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness, right? And God says, blessed are the mourning, those who mourn. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, we don't talk about righteousness very much. We don't use that word typically in our culture very much. Um, but our denomination and denominations like ours came out of what they called the holiness movement. There was a sense that, that just doing it your own way and just going after your own pleasures was not working. And so people began to change the way they lived. They began to be what the Bible calls holy or set apart. They began to order and organize their life around godly principles. And what Jesus is saying is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that. Let, let, me, let, me, let me put it this way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be more like Jesus. It says they will be fulfilled. They will be filled. A fulfilling life is a life, a Christ-like life. So I started thinking about what is it like to be hungry? And what is it like to be thirsty? And so uh, every year I go on a golfing trip with my college roommate. His name's Don. And uh, we spend three days out in Palm Springs. And um, we've done this for 25 years. And, uh, and we go right when the rates change. In other words, when it's blazing hot. And so, and we play four rounds of golf. We get there on a Tuesday, we eat lunch, we play golf. We wake up, we eat breakfast, we play golf, we eat lunch, we play golf, we eat dinner. And then the next day, we eat breakfast and then we play golf. And that last one is the championship. All the other ones don't count. That last day, final day, Thursday, championship. Neither one of us are talking to each other, mortal enemies, right? In 25 years, I don't want to draw too much attention to myself, but in 25 years, your pastor has won twice. And uh, yeah, kind of a big deal. Okay. So, uh, but, but it's funny. I like golf. Golf is fun. I'm marginal at it. Um, uh, but what, what I, what the thing about the three days that I look forward to the most is the first night's dinner. It's at Sullivan's Steakhouse. Now, I, I like save up for this stuff, okay? It's at Sullivan's Steakhouse, and I get the same thing every time. You start out, 
with the calamari appetizer, and it has this like tangy Asian sauce that you dip it in. Then I get a lettuce wedge with blue cheese on it. And then I get this. <laughs> that, that is a 28-day dry-age cowboy-cut tomahawk ribeye. Okay? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's it. I feel you. Okay. Yeah. I think about this weeks in advance. I plan around this meal. Have you ever done that? Where you have a meal you know is coming up? So I get there into Palm Springs and it's lunchtime. And my friend Don says, what do you want for lunch? Well, he has the metabolism of a hummingbird. So he can just like, he can have like two burritos and then go, hey, what else are we eating? I'm like, I can't, if I have a taco, I'm stuffed till the end of the day. And so I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to have anything. I'm just going to have like one lettuce leaf. And then, cause I, cause I know the, the tomahawk steak is coming. And so I begin, and I get all excited. Like when my stomach begins to growl because it's like, oh yeah, my body's just getting ready for this event. Now I realize that I, some of you are vegan or, or vegetarian. So I, just picture your dinner. Um, <clears throat> like you're just waiting, you know, like, no more carrots. <laughs> that celery's coming, okay, right? <laughs> so just think about that. So, Jonathan at livingspring.com. Uh, so I, I, I plan my, my day around this steak, this steak, because I, 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 it, it's so good. Now imagine, again, put all kidding aside, imagine if I organized my life around opportunities with Jesus. If I organize my life around it's okay to miss out on this thing because there's something better coming. I would organize my life around, hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to fill up on that because I know I need to make room for this. That is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Those who are, who are comfortable with the hunger pains. What ends up happening when you hunger and thirst in your brain is that there's this cluster of neurons and um, it's funny because we say things like, oh, your body's telling you um, that you need food. Actually, hunger and thirst are annoying little uh, things that, that fire in your brain. It's like somebody poking you. Hey, get some water. You got to get some water. You got to get some water. And you're like, man, I got to get some water. This is like driving me crazy. That's what happens to your brain. And, and you, you, you drink water. Have you ever been so thirsty that you couldn't drink fast enough? Where it's just like you're just like getting in your brain. That's your brain telling you you're, you're already dehydrated. You're already dehydrated. So this morning, what I'd like to do is talk about this idea of hungering and thirsting and then talk about Jesus and how he's the fulfillment. He's the one who satisfies. So if I were to rewrite this verse, I would say, blessed are those who organize their life around becoming like Christ. That is a fulfilling life. That's the fulfilled life, organizing your life that way. So the first point I want to make, it's pretty simple, is that Jesus is water for the thirsty soul. Jesus is water for the thirsty soul. When I go through my week and uh, I come up with things that maybe disappointments, things that uh, 
I, I wish had happened, that didn't happen. My tendency, my, because I'm human, is to fill that with something. Maybe to escape and just start watching sports. Um, I don't know if you watch the Women's World Cup, but that's my, that's my go-to right about now. Um, and so, uh, you know, to just escape or maybe you binge watch, or maybe you go to a, um, a, a book or whatever. Jesus would have us, when we receive that thirst pain of that, man, I need to, I need to get that filled to go to him. As a matter of fact, he even says this, um, <laughs> I'm not just touching myself, okay? I was looking for my glasses. I'm like, Jesus says this, ooh, okay. All right. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. And what's he saying? Well, he's with this woman. He, he, he goes into this place that, um, God, that's going to come back to bite me. Um, he goes to this place called Samaria, which the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. And he starts talking to a woman. And, 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 and both of those things would be weird. But Jesus is all about pushing boundaries and, and shaking up the status quo. So he goes to this well and this woman's there, and he says, can you get me something to drink out of the well? And she says, how are you talking to me? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, you're a man, I'm a woman. This is like he's breaking social norms. And he says, it's kind of funny, because in the Bible he says, woman, but it wasn't like we would say it, but that's what he says. He says, woman, if you knew who it was that asked you for a drink, you would ask him for a drink, and he would give you living water. And what Jesus does is he brings the kingdom of God into the everyday. So she's still thinking about normal water. He's thinking about something much, much more satisfying, a relationship with your heavenly father. And so he says, she says, you know, our ancestors dug this well. You don't even have anything to draw with. And he says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water I give them will never thirst I don't know if you've ever met somebody. I have a few friends. I have people I know in this particular, in our church who have such a relationship with Jesus that even when they're in a dry time of their lives, they're still able to draw strength, draw this water for a thirsty soul from Jesus. He said, whoever drinks from this water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, now listen, listen, listen to this fulfilled life. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know, a relationship with Jesus isn't just a ticket to heaven. That's great. It's getting through life today. It's drawing upon his strength. It's drawing upon uh, uh, how do I organize my life so that I'm the kind of dad that if Jesus was a dad, he would respond this way. If Jesus was a husband, he would respond this way. If Jesus was a wife, if Jesus was a mom, if Jesus was a son or a daughter, that's it. That is the fulfilled life. That is the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. We would call it, a fancy word uh, is, is called incarnational. It just means Jesus in the flesh. Like, like we become Jesus to our jobs. We become Jesus to our families. We become Jesus to our friends. Organizing our life, that is, a, that is a well that's springing up to eternal life. He says this, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, we had talked about this before where he said, I'm the light of the world. 
and uh, which he was standing up under these seven giant burning bowls of oil, like to illuminate. And he says, I'm the light of the world. But then he also says this, on the last day of the, uh, and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and in a loud voice said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I am the source of this water. He goes on, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. My prayer for this community and everyone you come in contact with is that our name, Living Spring, would actually be a reality everywhere you go. You would take the love of Jesus, you would take the humility of Jesus, and you would be a literal living spring that just brings health to wherever you go. David says it this way about this, again, this idea of water, this idea of, of, of being thirsty. He says, oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. One of the things we do on this trip is uh, I bring a flat of Gatorade. I don't normally drink Gatorade, but uh, you... you it's so hot. One time, one time we, played, <laughs> we played golf in 118 degree weather. And uh, we started on the first hole and um, it got up to 120. And the, the, the golf pro drove out in a cart and said, you, you can't be out here. And I'm like, no, we got, we got Gatorade. We're cool. Everything's cool. And he's like, no, 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 you're not allowed to be out here. And he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you four passes to pay, play this course. Course, beautiful, stadium course. Uh, anytime. So like, it's usually like 250 bucks to play it. So I'm like, okay, that's cool, thanks. So uh, we, we went back in. But y- what happens is you don't really sweat that much. Like, like, you don't realize how much water you're actually losing because right when you begin to sweat, the dry air just dr- dries you up. You have to constantly be drinking water. And so we get waters, we have their stations, and we do half Gatorade, half water, and we are drinking all the time, even when we're not thirsty. Perfect analogy of following Jesus. I meet so many Christians, they go without Living water. They go without living water. They go without living water, and then their life becomes dry. And they go, I got to get me some Jesus. <laughs> I got to get back to church. It's like, no, no, no. It's these little sips every day. It's these little sips throughout the day of going, look, I don't need Jesus right now. At least I don't feel like I do. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite him into this situation. Drink. I'm going to invite him into this situation. Drink. You stay what we call hydrated, right? You stay hydrated. And this is what it's like to walk with Jesus. Just little sips all day long. I meet Christians, they come on Sunday, and it's just like, oh, I just, I need Jesus, and it's a big gulp, you know? And it's like, man, that, you should come hydrated to church. <laughs> hydrated with Jesus. And this is just an expression, this is just an overflow of what he's been doing throughout the week. Does that make sense? Jesus is water for the thirsty soul. Jesus is food for the hungry heart. Jesus is food for the hungry heart. There's a longing in all of us for fulfillment. There's a longing for, uh, in all of us for purpose. There's a longing in all of us to matter. I loved what Michelle said about how she's drawn to the margins 
So a lot of people in those margins feel hopeless. They feel like their lives don't matter. They see the people in power and they think, I'll never have a voice. Jesus goes to the margins and he says, you do have a voice. You do matter. You are my child. You're valuable. You're important. Jesus is food for that hungry heart. If you're longing for acceptance, maybe your upbringing, your parents didn't do much to accept you, Jesus is food for that hunger. If you have a longing to have some career that brings you to, you know, to matter, Jesus is food for that hungry heart. He's food for that. Let me show you where that's found. Again, it's in John, mostly all of these uh, verses are in John. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. See, there we are again. We have this this water that's welling up to eternal life. In other words, it starts now and it begins to just do its work in our lives to bring fulfillment. And we have this food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father placed His seal of approval. This food is found through Jesus. This fulfillment, this nourishment is found through Jesus. Later on in John, verse 35, he, around where he's declaring that he's the... The, um, the water of life, he says, he declares, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. This is somebody who, no matter what their circumstances say, I'm gonna stand on the promises of God that Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm, 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 I can go through anything. Paul, the Apostle Paul says it this way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what, this, that's what this is. Again, John chapter six, he says it again, I am the bread of life. He says, he goes on and he reminds them about, about their uh, journey through the wilderness. This is a, such a big part of Israel's history, this journey through the w wilderness. He says, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died goes on, but here is bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus came, he died, he rose again, so that your life could be fulfilled, so that you can live in a strength that doesn't have to rely on sin. It doesn't have to rely on the shortcut. It can, it can wait. It can sit with hunger pains knowing that there's something better coming. Maybe for you, it's you're, in a, you're without a relationship right now and you're just dying, to, you're dying for companionship, but you know the Lord's saying, now's not the time to be dating. Now's not the, you need to get some stuff worked out. And you're like, yeah, but I'm so hungry. The Bible says Jesus can fulfill that hunger. Jesus can fulfill that. Then John says this thing back at the woman at the well. It's really cool. The disciples show up and he's talking to this woman. And so they're, they're kind of, you know, nobody wants to say anything, but, you know, they're kind of wondering, like, what's that all about? Like, is he talking to her? Like, what? Uh-oh. Should we even be here? You know, and they, you, you read in the Bible, they start talking amongst themselves. Like, what, what, why is he doing that? So Jesus they, they say, hey, why don't you eat something, Jesus, you know? And Jesus makes this incredible statement as he models what it is for us to live 
under the authority of Jesus. He says, he said, why don't you get some food? He says, my food, Jesus, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's like his food. One of the reasons we fast is because it allows our body to remind us to think of Jesus. It's like a little alarm because you, if you fast, you're going to get hungry. You're going to get hungry. And so it's like a little button that says, oh, it's time to eat. And you go, oh, it's time to think about Jesus. Hey, it's time to eat. Oh, man, you know what? It's time to pray. Hey, it's time to eat. It's time to get into the Word. It's time to eat. You know, it's time to reflect on all of His goodness. It's just like a little, that's what fasting is. It's just a little taking our bodies, the, the natural things that God put into us when he created us, and, and just flipping it over to think about Jesus. Now, what, why don't our lives often look like that? Why don't our lives look oftentimes like this hunger and thirst for righteousness? And I think I have the answer. These Takis may or may not have been opened last night. <laughs> I, I can't say for sure. Oh, it looks like, oh, Jesse. Oh. You guys can take these when we're all over. I got those for you, babe. Uh, I think the reason, at least in my own life, that I don't hunger and thirst for righteousness like I do for that 28-day aged cowboy cut tomahawk ribeye. Mm, mm, mm. It's because I snack too much. I snack too much. Something goes wrong, I fix it. Well, instead of waiting for my meal with Jesus, waiting for him to show up, waiting for him to solve it, I snack. I go to solve it. When it comes to a hard conversation or something where my rights are violated, where I could just wait on the Lord and be patient and go, God, give me the strength to deal with this, I have a quick comeback. That's a snack. I solve it. I come back with a little quippy thing. I don't know if you know this, but sarcasm is one of my spiritual gifts. And uh, it comes out really fast. That's, that's snacking. Maybe... There's a financial issue. And instead of waiting on the Lord and going before him and saying, God, you know, this whole, this thing's going down. I, 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 I put something on the credit card to fix it. Or I, or I go out and get debt or whatever. I mean, you know, maybe for you it's, it's the same. Or maybe it's, you know, you, you, you have this hunger for a relationship. This hunger for a meaningful, long-term relationship. And yet, and if you just wait on God, there would be this awesome meal. And it's like, no, I, I, I got I to I solve that problem today. I got to get that done this week. I don't care who, who they are. Right? We snack. Maybe, like I said, it's a, it, maybe it's an escape for you. You're going through something. You just don't want to think about it anymore. So it's binge watch. It's get on social media. It's, 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 it's watching the news. It's whatever. And we lose our hunger for Jesus, our thirst for Jesus. Because we're trying to navigate life through our own medicating and our own solving. And maybe for you, this, is, this happens to me a lot, where something will happen. And my first thing is to open up 
a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. And that is represented in calling my friend Don, okay? I snack. Something happens, I call Don. When I could, and then, and then he tells me I'm right, which is fantastic. Uh, or, you know, we'll go over it, he'll commiserate or whatever, and he'll, he'll speak into my life. He has no problem telling me I'm wrong. Uh, um, he, 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 he does, he'll speak into my life, but, but I call him. Why not just drop to my knees and go to my Heavenly Father and go, God, before I talk to anybody about this, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you have to say. But instead, I snack. So let me ask you a question. What happens in my life, in my true body, when I remove snacks? (laughs) Like in the physical realm, I get healthier. Right? There's all this added carbs and added this and added that in the exact same way in our relationship with Jesus. Most of it's about removing the snacks, removing the things. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Not those who figure out how to handle their own problems. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle, I'm humble in spirit, and I will give you what? (sighs) Rest. But if I'm too busy snacking, if I'm too busy trying to solve my own problems, if I'm too busy communicating with other people to, to, to try and fix something, I miss out on some of the greatest spiritual meals I could have. Who knows how many great meals with Jesus I've missed out on because I just wasn't hungry enough. And I think that's what he'd have us say. You snack too much. <laughs> we snack too much. I, I'll, I'll read a, just this final verse in Jeremiah that really goes for it, and then um, we'll, we'll end um, with a song and some prayer. The, the prophet Jeremiah is talking to Israel, and he's just, he's just beside himself, essentially. And he says this, Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet, they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. We've substituted God for this other thing, entertainment. We've substituted God for food. We've substituted God for other relationships, maybe healthy, maybe unhealthy, but we substituted God. And this is what he's, 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 he's uh, talking about. He, he gets so upset he says be appalled at this O heavens and shudder with great horror declares the lord he says my people have committed two sins they have forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns broken cisterns that cannot hold water i've been guilty of it in my own life where I've, it just took to God too long. So I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll handle this one. And it ended up being a broken cistern that held no water. Times I've tried to rush God. Times I've tried to um, kind of dance around things where I know, well, I don't know, I don't think the Lord really wants, well, we can, I can find enough verses that get me close enough, you know. And I've broke, they're, bro- they're broken cisterns. As the uh, worship team comes back up, 
I want to end with this. It's from Matthew. It talks about where those times when you'd really worry and want to solve the problem yourself. He's talking and he says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things. And your heavenly father knows you need them. In other words, you don't have to spend time worrying. You don't have to spend time solving. You don't have to spend time conniving and planning and pushing to get your own way. And if, if I don't get the promotion, then, then they're going to get it. And that's not fair. And you, go, you don't have to worry about that. He just gives you simple advice. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. 